You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Well, hey, hey, and welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Blanc. I'm really excited that you're here. Now, typically on this show, we talk about financial freedom with real estate, and we have super exciting guests that that help us unpack that, gives us different examples of how we can achieve that both as active investors and as passive investors. And there's no other better way to get to them with apartment buildings, much better than any other real estate strategy out there. But today, a show is going to be a little different because today... It's just going to be me. Now, the reason it's just going to be me is because I had a little bit of a life event that I wanted to share with you, as well as my reflections on this. On July 28th of this year of 2020, actually, I had a, I had a heart attack. And it's a little unusual because I'm not really a candidate for heart attack. I did find out, however, that my dad had a heart attack when he was 48, and I'm 49. The difference is that my dad was overweight and didn't eat well. I'm not overweight, and I eat well, and I exercise. But genetics are a powerful thing. But here's what happened. I, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., uh, with a chest pain, and it was just excruciating. Somehow, I was able to stay up till 5 o'clock. I was able to nap. I stayed up just long enough until I was able to call the doctor because they don't open until 8 a.m., and you can't see a doctor anymore. It's all these virtual things. So I called them up, and I explained the situation. They asked me a bunch of questions, and they diagnosed it as acid reflux. I don't even know what that was. Never really had it. But they gave me a prescription anyway, and so finally I woke my wife, wife up and went to the, the pharmacy and got acid medicine, which didn't work, and I called around 11.30 saying, hey, it's not working, and <laughs> they prescribed something else. We got that. That didn't work. And then early afternoon, I called one of my partners and you know says, man, I, I won't be able to make this meeting later on in the afternoon. And uh, he goes, oh, poor baby, a little acid. I said, well, I, I could be, but it is, it, it was, I mean, it was nonstop. And... And he said, why don't you talk to my wife? She's an ER doctor. So I explained it to her and, and she asked me a bunch of questions. She goes, well, you know, since that acid stuff, that's pretty strong stuff you got. That should work immediately and it didn't. There's probably some, something else going on. You should probably go to the ER, which is exactly what my wife told me about 10 hours earlier. But who listens to your wife? We're men. We don't go to the hospital. So she drives me to the hospital and of course they, they see me in the ER. And as soon as they had the EKG in there, within seconds, they're like, congratulations, Mr. Blanc. You're having a heart attack. I was literally walking around for 12 hours with a heart attack, actually 14 at this point. So uh, just because this was kind of a satellite office, they put me in the ambulance and they, they drove me to the hospital, which was about 15 minutes away, and they put me into what they call a cath lab. And that's where they basically perform you know, things to your heart. And, and they put me on there and they put a stent in there. And what was surprising that is that it only lasted about 15, 30 minutes. And I was, I think conscious the entire time. Now, I, I'm, I'm certainly sure that I was sedated because I was very calm the entire time, but I could see people move around. I saw monitors to my left that appear to be, you know, images of, of arteries and things of that nature. And people are running around me. At one point I said, hey, are you guys going to get started soon? And they're like, yeah, we're already done. <laughs> and they had gone through my wrist. They'd gone through my wrist and it was over before I knew it. And it was amazing how quote routine it was but i'll tell you i was uh you know when they when they told me what was going on uh, they said you know you have a hundred percent blockage of the artery the main artery called the widowmaker and most people wouldn't survive more than a second when this happens but the good lord gave me a fourth artery which apparently only one percent of the world's population has and it turns out my father has this artery also 
And according to the doctor, it's actually relatively large. So when the primary artery was blocked, the heart kind of made up for it. And so it was able to supply the heart with blood, I guess. Anyway, so you're sitting there reflecting what's happening. And I can won't lie, but I made peace with baby Jesus. I will tell you the truth. I was like, man, I don't know where this is going to go. And I did. I literally was at peace with not being around. Now, I'm glad I am around. And I recovered amazingly quickly. And there was a lot of people praying for me who find out about it. And I was just overwhelmed with the reaction and the and the and the well wishings and you know this was not really a public thing it's not like when i go on social media it goes hey guys i'm in the hospital with a heart attack like it's not one of those things uh, that i would go on social media with but i'm telling you about this now only because it uh, made me think and reevaluate when you have a life event like this it can really change your life and you know a lot of people are forced to reevaluate their life either because they have a life event or they lose a loved one or something. Now, we try to be more intentional uh, here at the Michael Blanc Brands and really encouraging people to sit down and gain clarity in their lives so you don't have to depend on a life event to help make that for you. But nevertheless, you know, it really makes you think, are you really spending the time the way that you were meant to spend? Are you really living a full, full life? So I was asking myself these questions, you know, in an honest way. You know, if I knew I only had six months to live, what would I change? And it reminded me that health is really the most important thing, followed very closely by, in my case, family. I really value family. Uh, I love traveling with them. I love being with them. We actually moved into the Atlanta area specifically so we can have a better a better family life. I, I want to keep my kids around as they grow older, and they are. My oldest is 18 right now. I want to create an environment where they want to come back to for certain, or maybe even they want to stay geographically close and maybe even get involved in a business in some way. So I want to create an environment where I continue being close to my family. Family is very important to me. So I was asking myself the question, well, shoot, should I be doing what I'm doing? Should I keep doing what I'm doing? And my conclusion was that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing something that where I light up every single day and get out of bed where I can show people how to become financial freedom, how to get financial freedom, because it is such a strong precursor in my mind to living a more fulfilled life. Because if you don't have financial freedom and you're working 50 plus hours a week to make ends meet, to provide for your family, which for the primary bread that are listening to this is our calling and we accept that calling, it really restricts our ability to truly do those things that we love on the one hand and it really holds us back in a way that allows us to live a more full life and really make an impact in the world. I really believe that. It's just very rare when someone does not have their finances taken care of that they're able to do that. So I feel like the combination of, you know, Dave Ramsey, the Peace University of getting your expenses down and then and then increasing your passive income, specifically apartment buildings, does that in the most rapid way. And so many dozens of people have done this. And I could see nothing more than continue doing what I'm doing. In fact, I almost have a more increased sense of urgency to get this message out to more people, both active investors and real estate investors who might not think that apartment building is within their grasp, as well as past investors who are still investing in the stock market. It's like insanity, continuing the same thing, expecting different results. We need to get the message out to more people that yes, in fact, you can cover your living expenses with passive income, either by actively investing or by passively investing. And I was so encouraged by our Dealmaker Live that we had in the summer where we recognize 
people who do their first deal and we give them what we call the first deal maker award. We give them a, a large metal coin, similar to what they do in, in the military. And it has financial freedom on the front and it has first deal, the law of the first deal on the back of it. We also, uh, and there was probably a couple dozen that we awarded at DealMaker Live. There was many more that weren't actually there. We also handed out about a dozen what we call Freedom Hall of Fame coins. And these are the people who actually have quit their job. And that number is starting to increase. And that really what lights me up is people who do their first deal because I now know that's just a matter of time before they quit their job. So I don't know. I was really honestly looking at my life and maybe I should be doing something differently. I can't think of another thing I would rather be doing. Uh, I can't think of any other I'd be rather working with uh, than the team that we have and the people that we have right now. I just want to do a better job and get the message out to more people. It also reminded me though that, and the question is, is now I'm going to start, you know, I'll share with you some of my thoughts, but it's really thoughts for yourself. And the question is, are your affairs in order? And this is a real thing. I remember, I don't know, about 15 years ago, a family friend of mine, we haven't seen them in years up in Vermont. You know, she's, you know, we had a good time. I had some wine, dinner, and after dinner, she sat me down and she looked me seriously in the eye and goes, Michael, do you have life insurance? And I was so startled by that question because it was so random and nothing to do with anything going on. It was so weird. And I said, well, no, why is this important? Because you need a life insurance. You need to take care of your family if you're not around anymore. And it just rattled me so much that it brought to the forefront that you have to get your affairs in order while you still can. And that includes life insurance. It includes also revocable trusts, a will and medical directive. You know, spend $2,000 on an attorney to do all these things together and with a revocable trust, if you if you know this, you start titling things, entities, bank accounts, anything you own, your house, in the name of this revocable trust. If you were to pass away, uh, you can bypass probate entirely. In other words, your surviving spouse can walk in to any bank, open any account, take over any entity that you may have controlled because it's titled and owned by the revocable trust. So really look into that and make sure you do that. Structure your entity so that the trust controls these. Mine are essentially controlled by a Wyoming entity, and there is reasons for a Wyoming owner, of privacy and and um, and other reasons that Wyoming entities and people like Garrett Sutton, if you Google him, his company sets these up. He advises you on privacy and, and asset protection, and then that is then further owned by the the trust. And so make sure you set that up. Also document where everything is. You know, if you're surviving, if you were no longer to be, where would your surviving spouse know where your bank accounts are, where your money is, where your papers are? This is your responsibility. And I, you know, I know that the mass majority of you guys listening are guys and that's just the way it is right now. We're going to get more, more gals on the show. Whoever is your primary breadwinner, this is your responsibility, even though your spouse can help. So make sure you, f- you focus on that. There's a couple other powerful exercises that have helped me get clarity in my life. And you may find them helpful as well. In fact, I, re- I revisited both these exercises as I was laying there in the hospital thinking about life. The first one is the one I just alluded to, which is if you knew you only had six months to live, what would you do differently? Who would you want to spend time with? Who would you try to reconcile with? What would you do? Like I want you to take 30 minutes and like one morning, maybe tomorrow morning, and sit there and write these things out. Like seriously, it, it will bring to the forefront surprising things that you should maybe do 
while you can, maybe right now. Don't wait for next year or five years or 10 years when the kids are out of the house or you have a certain amount of money or you get a promotion. No, do those things right now. Powerful exercise. Another really powerful exercise is the perfect day exercise. And it's really where you take another 30 minutes or so and you write down, what is your perfect day? So many things come out in that perfect day. I'll share with you mine. And I have, I have different iterations of that. I've done this a few times. This, this particular perfect day takes place in Hawaii, but it could be really any tropical island. Uh, it also has taken place on a sailboat because I love sailing, specifically a catamaran. But this happens to be in Hawaii. I get up at 6 a.m. I make coffee. I sit on a balcony overlooking the ocean and do emails for two hours because, again, this is my perfect day. I don't want this to be just some random day. I want this to be a realistic day. So I'm going to be working a little bit on this day. So I'm going to catch up for, for emails first thing in the morning before the kids wake up. And then they wake up and then we make breakfast together. By 9.30, we leave for tour of the volcanoes or jungle. We do something together. We eat lunch at an eclectic restaurant on the beach. And then I meet Brandon Turner... And we record a video podcast. Not only something I'm Brandon because he lives in Hawaii, but it could be anything. I'm recording a podcast. I'm producing content. I love that kind of stuff. Love serving you guys. And we get back around four just in time to take a nap. I love taking naps. I do it on the weekends if I can. I've even snuck in a couple over the weekday. Take a nap. Happy hour. I have to be up by half hour. You take a 25-minute nap. You can't sleep too long because it messes me up. So it's 25 is a sweet spot. Happy hour starts promptly at 5 o'clock. My favorite time of day is 5 p.m. because it's happy hour. For dinner, it's sushi at 6.30. I love sushi. My family loves some sushi. We come home. I guess we're eating it out. We come home at 8.30. Well, maybe not so much now, but come at 8.30 and I sit on the balcony with my wife Vivian to reflect and make plans for the future. Wow, what a perfect day. Now it's your turn. Go sit down and, and uh, really figure out your... Six months to live, what would you do? How would you spend your time? And what is a perfect day for you? Don't wait for a life event to force you into looking yourself in the mirror to see what kind of life you want to live. Do that right now while you still can. A great tool is The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. If you haven't read the book, do it immediately. It really shows you in an actual way how you can spend the first 30, 60 minutes of your day in a way that really, really benefits you in a powerful way, creates clarity around what you want, what you don't want, and creates intentionality and action behind that when you come out of that. So I hope you found that inspiring. Whatever that means to you, think about that, create clarity, then take action towards that. I appreciate you guys listening to this. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. I look forward to continue being able to serve you and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.